Welcome to the Plus 6 Podcast. My name is Pete, and I go by the name of AFL Ratings Pete on Twitter. Welcome to a special segment on the Plus 6 Podcast. We have Ryan Daniels again. Welcome back to the show, Ryan. Hello, Pete. How are you? Very good. West Coast and Fremantle, we have some major injury concerns. What's happening at West Coast? Oh, my God. Yeah, it's, it, it's something in the water over here in the West. Both teams are struggling a little bit with um, nothing super, super major, but just a lot of little bits and piece injuries. Luke Shuey's the latest, so he had a hamstring issue yesterday. This is today's being Saturday, so Friday um, he went down with a hammy at training. At first, I think he didn't think it was anything too bad, and he could play through it. He'd be right for next week, but um, that's not what I'm told now. It's a two- to three-week hammy, um, lower end, but the issue for Shuey, I suppose... Um, is that this is not the first time. He had three separate hamstring issues last year. He had two calf problems over summer um, to different calves. So he's, his soft tissue stuff is really starting to play a big part. He's 30 now as well. So um, very frustrating for him and for West Coast. They've already, of course, got Elliot Yo sidelined. So their midfield's taken a big hit. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they cope without those two guys in that early two, three weeks of the season because you could argue that, you know, midfield-wise, they're, they're, they're two most dynamic players. Um, and, you know, obviously if Tim Kelly gets to his best, he's in that group as well, but uh, it's a big loss. Uh, what sort of time frame are we looking at for Elliot Yo right now? Oh, I couldn't even tell you. It, mm-hmm. it, the thing with Yo and where he's at right now is he tends to take a step forward. He'll look okay. It was, a, it was a training session about a week ago where I saw him and I thought, oh, okay, like this is he's come pretty far in the space of a week. Um, but then the next training session, he was pulled back again and he looked sore. So with the osteitis pubis, it, that's why they hate it so much, um, football clubs, is because it's so unpredictable yep. and you can't ever just go, right, he's good to go, let's, let's push him to 100%. It's every day, it's... You know, how are you going today? Is it worse than yesterday? How's this part? How's that part? And it's a constant um, grind getting through that injury. So, I mean, could he be available in a month? Yeah, it's possible. Could it be more like mid-season? That's possible too. So mm-hmm. I think what we'll do is with Yo is we'll get an indication from, from West Coast probably when he's about two weeks away or a week away from full training. Um, and then from that, you'd probably say there's at least another week or two. He's been doing plenty of running, um, straight line running. It's just the turning and the twisting, change of direction stuff that he can't do. So, yeah, it's, there's really no timeline yet on Joe. We'll see him at some point this season unless he has a major, major setback. But, I mean, realistically, if I had to guess, I'd say he's probably looking at maybe around five, six, seven in that range. Okay, that being said... Jack Redden, Liam Duggan, Dom Sheed, yep. Tim, Tim Kelly, Andrew Gaff into the middle and for a fair, decent amount of centre-bounce usage. So my next question is, are we likely to see any of the young guys come through? And if so, what sort of midfield usage do you think they would get? Yeah, the young guys at West Coast, there's not a lot of great young midfield depth there. The one that's shown a little bit is Xavier O'Neill. He's a pick, I think, in the mid to low 20s, maybe around pick 24, 25, somewhere around there off the top of my head. Uh, he's shown a little bit. He, he played okay last year in the one or two games that he got late in the season. Um, he's had a pretty solid preseason. He was decent against Fremantle uh, in the last, in the Amy series game. 
So I wouldn't be surprised if he played round one. Mm-hmm. Is he going to score a lot in the fantasy perspective? Probably not. Um, is he going to play big minutes all year? Probably not. Um, but he might be part of that midfield group that sort of plugs a hole um, while the Shu and Yo are not there. Um, Tim Kelly's also had his own issues. He's had a thumb that's kept him out of all their competitive stuff until yesterday. They had a, a little bit of a match simulation. He played in that. And he played well. So he's good to go, but he hasn't had a lot of touch as well. So I wouldn't be surprised if he comes in and he's a little slow off the mark as well. Um, so, you know, there's a, there's a few glaring issues. Gaff's healthy. He's 100%. Duggan's done everything. He's 100%. Um, you mentioned Jack Redden. Not a huge ball winner these days, but, you know, he's, he's a very solid AFL midfielder with a lot of experience. Um, so, you know, there's, a, there's still a bit there. It's just that the dynamic guys that they're missing. The other one, other than O'Neill, the only other one that I think might surprise a few people is Isaiah Winder. Yep. He, he can find the footy, and he's he's been pretty impressive in training. He's a bit of a bull. Um, and Zane True, I suppose, is the other one who was a, a rookie pick, um, but really should have probably gone far higher than that. There were some issues with his um, work ethic and that sort of stuff, but he's he's proven to be pretty handy over summer. Um, I don't think they'd like, ideally, to be playing any of those guys in the first few rounds, but the situation is kind of dictating itself. Um, so I reckon there's a pretty good chance we see O'Neill in round one, and maybe those other guys, if, if Yo doesn't get back you know, in a super quick time frame. Where does Nathan Barty stand right now? Yeah, that's an interesting one. So the comments from Adam Simpson have all been pretty um, all over the shop with the ruck as usual. It's They've got this weird situation where they need to play Oscar Allen because he is the future of that forward line and he's shown enough to, to say that he's going to be a very good AFL player. Uh, but Josh Kennedy, who kicked three yesterday in that match, him, he's ready for round one. Jack Darling's still there. So Oscar Allen continuously finds himself as that third tall. Um, so how do you utilise that best? Can you get him to ruck? You know, he's not a traditional ruckman, but he's kind of big enough to pitch hit here or there. But you also don't want to wear the kid down. Um, and you also got to be mindful that you want to manage Nick down into his minutes. Now, last year with those reduced minutes, he could kind of play a little bit uh, more free, um, and they didn't need to play two Ruckman the whole time. But in a longer game, you know, you, maybe you do. If, if they do play two recognised Ruckman, it's going to be Vardy in the initial stages of the season. Um, Williams has had a quad issue, and then I think he also had a back issue as well. There's a couple of different problems for him in the preseason, but he's underdone. Um, that's Bailey Williams. So he he's not going to be seen in the first couple of weeks of the season until he gets some run. Mm-hmm. Um, so if they do go with two rucks in the first part of the year, it's probably looking out of Vardy. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if they stick to the old, hey, let's just play Oscar Allen as the pinch hitter. Yep. Um, it might just depend on matchups. And they got at the moment they got Gold Coast round one. We'll see how that plays out. But Jared Witt is a is a pretty big human. So yep. in that case, that may want to play a second ruck. Excellent. Thanks for that. Now, on to Fremantle, and where do we start here? Uh, absolutely decimated huh. with injuries to start the season, unfortunately. So let's start with the ruck situation. Uh, we've got Sean Darcy there, Lloyd Meek, who did quite well last week, and then obviously Rory Lobb goes down. Where does that ruck yeah. situation, and especially with Lloyd Meek, with many looking to start him either maybe even on field if he gets the solo ruck to start with, or as a bench, bench option, uh, where does he stand? Yeah, well, it's he's almost become Stephen Bradbury, um, Lloyd Meek, in the in the way that everything's kind of worked out perfectly for him. He probably should have got a gig at some point in the last year or two, just as a hey, let's give this guy a game at the end of the season, sort of stuff, and see how he goes because he's physically he's capable. He's in the same draft as Darcy. Um, 
And when you line the two of them up, you know, Meek's always been fitter. He's been stronger. It's just that Darcy was sort of the natural talent um, and, and, you know, probably the higher-rated prospect. So Meek's going to get his go. Um, as I said, the deck's been cleared for him. Darcy's not ready to go. He's definitely not going to be good for round one. Um, but how much time he misses is the real question because if if it makes all good and fine to lock in for people for one round, but what happens when, yep. you know, Darcy's fit in round two or three? They're not going to... I would be surprised if they played both of them. Yep. Um, Josh Tracy is probably going to get a fair bit of run in the early part of the season okay. with Lobb being out because they do need a big target to replace Lobb. He, he's, he's not as competent as Lobb, but the, the kid can crash a pack. He's, they call him Cyclone Tracy for a reason. He's, mm-hmm. he's a big body. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if he's there. Actually, I, I would be expecting fully for him to be there round one. Um, so I would say they're going to they're roll with that sort of combination in that very first week of footy, um, Meek and Tracy. Yep. Um, and then after that, it's where it gets a bit cloudy because as soon as Darcy's good to go, they've invested a lot of time in Darcy. Yep. Um, once he shows that he's fit, he will, he will replace Meek. Unless Meek has come in and absolutely dominated, and he's not really that type of player. He's sort of more of a, I don't know, like a Nankervis type where he'll, he'll just sort of lull you into a, a slow burn and you'll end up with a best-case scenario at his age. Now you might get a 60 out of him in an AFL fantasy scoring. Um, but is he going to be, you know, Tim English or, you know, Draper or one of these great prospects? No, he's not in, he's not in that category. Um, he's a, he's a stopgap. Um, and he might carve out a little sort of Tom Hickey style career, um, but he's not—he's not, he's not going to be a, a top tier ruckman. Put it that way. Michael Walters and Michael Frederick out with injuries. Are we going yeah. to see Liam Henry guaranteed? And who are the other options there to fill out uh, that sort of wing half forward, small forward type role? Yeah, I, I think Henry will get a go. He's had a really good summer. He hasn't had much impact in the in the um, games against West Coast, but he's a super talent. They want to get games into him. Mm-hmm. What we saw with Longmuir last year is he's not afraid to play the kids and get the time. He's. I'm confident this will be a big test this year for him because of all the hype around Freo, but I'm confident that he will stay the course and play those kids and get the games into him to get that first 50 games out of the way as soon as he can and then start winning. Yep. I'm confident he won't try to rush the system and play mature guys over, say, a Liam Henry um, or a Hayden Young. I'm sure he's going to do the right thing. So I would expect Henry now... I mean, if everyone had been healthy, there was a chance that, yeah, he might have missed round one. He might have been in an emergency. But I think, as you say now, with Walters out, Frederick out, it really, the space is there for him to just, OK, here, mate, you've got guaranteed three, four weeks in this. Take it and run with it, literally. Um, and see how you go. The other the other guys are Sam Switkowski. Didn't play last year much at all, if at all. Off the top of my head, I don't think he played a game. Um, they like him. He's lively. He's a sort of half-forward, small-forward type. Can run. Um, Mitch Croden's also out. And he, as yeah. people on the East Coast probably don't even know who Mitch Croden is. I know you do, but a lot of people probably yeah. have never heard of him. He's important. He's in their best 20. Yeah, yeah they absolutely. like him. He's in their yeah. best 22. He's one of those guys that, like he's kind of like that Brett Daniels guy at GWS who no one remembers, but he always plays and he plays a role. Yep. So he's also out. Um, Lockie Schultz should be there for round one. They like him a lot too. So I would think it's probably going to be a Switkowski, Henry, Schultz sort of a, as the sort of small forward guys. Um, and Blake Akers and Ace will probably, you know, after all the competition there, they'll probably end up starting on the wings. Um, and Chera also roll through a wing at some point too. Uh, just on Connor Blakely, uh, yeah. what, what sort of role are we looking at for him this year? 
Well, it can't be worse than last year, can it? Um, he had two years to run on his contract. Otherwise, I mean, he was happy to leave last year. He was happy to stay. Um, he just wanted to be wanted. Um, and, and eventually, really, no offers came from any other clubs. So he knows what he needs to do. He's got some time to do it. And that's to you know get back in the frame for best 22. He could play round one with all these injuries that have sort of slowly started to mount up. Um, the depth isn't really there. He's had a really good summer. Um, the intra club I saw, he was very, very good. He was okay in the two um, Amy series or whatever they called them, games. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's playing round one. Um, long term, it's a risk, like in terms of you thinking fantasy stuff. It's a last round of the draft sort of punt. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and we know what his ceiling is. His ceiling's pretty high. Uh, but in terms of, you know, once everybody's fit and firing, if he has a couple of quiet games, you know, they're not afraid to pull him out. So, um, yeah, I'd take a flyer on him in the last round of a draft, for instance, if you've got one this weekend. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't be investing much, put it that way. So back onto the Rory Lobb situation and the four yeah. targets uh, in the Dockers, at the Dockers. Nat Five, we know he came out and said a week and a half ago that he expects to play the same amount of midfield usage as he has done previously. But however, with the Rory Lobb injury and Triassi coming in, uh, Fife is a very good contested mark forward. Are we likely to see um, an increase in forward usage early part of the year for that? Very possible. Um, as you say, he's a great contested mark. He's probably their best option up there, um, really, to replace Lobb, who's, I, I think, I'm not sure if last year he was, but the year before he was the best contested mark in the comp. So... Fife is obviously right in that league for a midfielder. He probably is the best uh, contested mark for a mid. So it wouldn't surprise me if he plays more time. You've got to remember that Nat Fife is the two-time Brownlow medalist. He's the captain. He is Fremantle. He, he probably has as much sway, if not more, than anybody at that club. If he wants to play in the middle, he's playing in the middle. So it'll really be a, a negotiation between Fife, Longmuir, um, the footy department, to say, hey, okay, what are you comfortable with? When do you want to do it? Um, but we do need you. Tracy, I think he'll surprise a few people. He's a monster. Um, he's not going to be a superstar in the early days, but he's going to create havoc up there. Um, and you, you do probably need another set of hands, but Nat Fife is the best midfielder in the comp when he's going. So, yes, you can you can put him forward and hope that he kicks two or three goals, but if you want to win games, it's, you also kind of need him in the engine room. So I think what we'll see is maybe just more impact minutes. You know, like I doubt Fife will come off much this year. I think when he rests, he'll go forward. Yep. Um, he'll be one of those guys who plays sort of that high-end game time, you know, even approaching that sort of high 80s, 90s game time. Um, so, I, I, look, I don't think there's going to be a, a massive split. I would say you'd be looking at maybe 65-35, which is still pretty big, but he's still a fantastic midfielder. You, at the end of the he's day, so that's place, where yep. he plays his best footy. Yep. So, so, David Mundy is also an option forward, I would presume, yeah? Yeah, I think he'll probably... Um, I don't know if he'll necessarily start, say, at full forward, but they're going to have to rotate some guys through there. And he's shown in the past that he can take a mark. He's a dead-set, dead, uh, dead-eyed dick for goal. He doesn't miss when he gets the chance. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he plays a bit of forward. I wouldn't be surprised if he does enough to maybe gain some forward status at some point with, with these fantasy leagues. Um, and, you know, he still moves so well, Monday. He's 36, I think, yeah. this year. But you wouldn't know it. He's Yeah, he's a bit of a freak when it comes to... Um, to what he can do with his body. So, yeah, I, that would be another option. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him up there. The other one they've talked about is Alex Pierce playing a bit of forward time. Yep, yep. Um, 
because they've got so many key defenders. Brennan Cox is the obvious one because he's played some forward before for West Coast, but he's emerged as their best key defender. So you, you don't want to take him out of that back line, um, even though Hamling and Pierce are accomplished defenders. They're both coming off massive injuries. So it's a bit of a mishmash, um, a bit of a sort of paint-by-numbers jigsaw puzzle for for Fremantle in the early, say, month of the season. And, and really, until they get lobbed back, it's it's hard to see how they're going to kick you know, enough goals to, to score big totals. Um, so we might see you know, them strangling the opposition a little bit more um, and then just having to get really creative with how they get their goals. Just a couple more questions just to finish off. And once again, thank you for your time. So the midfield usage at Fremantle, we're looking at Sarong, Fife, Chera, Brayshaw with a sprinkling in uh, of Monday. Would that be fair? Yep, that's that's exactly right, yeah. Um, and those guys are... I'm, I'm expecting Sarong, Brayshaw and Chera to all take a, a, a significant step forward again, each one of them. Um, you know, they're all... I think they're all 22 or 23 and under at the absolute oldest. It's a really exciting time for Fremantle and it's because of those guys. And they're the ones who are going to allow Fife to go forward because if they're playing well and they're holding their own, um, without, you know, w- you know, without a superstar Ruckman sort of, you know, tapping it down to them... Um, you know, if they had a, a Natanui or a Grundy or a Gorn, you know, they'd probably, you could expect them to go up another level altogether. Um, but I'm expecting big things from that midfield group, not just this year, but probably for the next five to ten years, really. Hayden Young, how bullish are you from a fantasy perspective this year? Uh, I've, you know what, I've bummed an art. I, I know he's going to be a very good player. Uh, uh, every time he touches the ball, it's beautiful. My concern with Young has been based around young Shannon Hearn. And the fact that teams with Hearn, once they realised he was such a damaging kick, they put so much attention into making sure that he didn't have his way and he didn't get 15 to 20 kicks a game. It was always, OK, if we can keep Hearn to 12, 13, 14 possessions, you know, that's 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 a good win. And I worry that teams, once they figure out how good Young is, um, and they already probably know, it, it, how, how often are they going to let him kick the footy? Do you know what I mean? Like the, yeah. It wouldn't surprise me if within the first... 18 months of his career, he's getting forward, almost forward tags um, because he's that damaging with the kick. So that's the only thing that concerns me, but he is a really good mark. Um, as I said, he's a fantastic kick of the footy. Um, I've been, I was playing super coach, I would say he'd be a no-brainer. Um, and I'd still back him in in the classic forms, but the only thing I'm tentative about is, is how high will his actual numbers be because he's not an accumulator. Yep. And then if you throw some defensive pressure on from a you know from a from a forward fifty perspective, uh, is he even restricted further? But this year, because of his price and it's kind of a free hit, yep. um, and we'll see where we go. But uh, he's the one with all that massive preseason hype, that, and he's in every team. He's in my team, but reluctantly. Yep. Um, so yeah, that yeah, I would just temper expectations slightly. I'm going to do one more question, Luke Ryan. Yep. You said he's had a great preseason. What, yeah. are, we, are we going to see him matched up on opponents or are we going to see him as the floating loose intercept nah, he'll float. Yep. Yeah, so, he'll float. He, he's yeah. he's going to have a really good fantasy role. He's going to float. He's going to take the kick-ins. He had a back issue in his first derby. He, he hurt his back pretty badly. Um, didn't play in the second one, but he's good to go. Um, so he'll play. That was the only setback in his preseason. Um, he, has, he gets a heap of it when he's out there. As I said, he's going to be the intercept marking guy. He's going to be the kick-out guy, um, he's kind of this, a bit of a, a sleeping giant in the in the back line um, of fantasy, I reckon. Uh, he doesn't really get a lot of love. Not for, I think not for me. Not for me. I'm on him. 
Yeah, you're on him, yeah. And, and I think he's going to be a very unique selection. So while everybody's loading up on the, the Lairds and the, and the Shorts and the Lloyds and the Mills and these guys, and they're all good options, yeah. Ryan is right up there with them, and it's a point of difference. So yeah. um, I think we're lucky this year with backlines. They seem to be really stacked, and with all these new rules, they're going to, going to open up the scoring even more. So you kind of wish you could have 12 defenders, I think, this year, and, and Ryan should be considered for sure. Absolutely. Uh, well, that's it for the quick podcast on Saturday, March 13th. Recording this at midday Eastern time. And just to finish off, uh, thanks for coming on as a guest, Ryan. And can you let the listeners know where to find you this year? Uh, yeah, just the usual spots. Um, Footy Rhino on Twitter, uh, 7 News. I write a column in the West on Saturday, so um, either buy the paper or subscribe to it because um, if you do that, then people get to keep writing. Um I do a podcast called The Hardball Gets with Xavier Ellis and Nick Wren on Wednesdays, Thursdays. Two-minute warning, that one. Um, and if you're in Perth, I'll be doing some stuff with 96FM this year um, fairly fairly um, frequently. So tune in to there. Excellent. Once again, thank you very much for your time on this Saturday and just a few days out from the start of the Home and Away season. That's it for Episode 65. Thanks for tuning in. No worries, Pete. Thank you.